Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. This morning's message is entitled Experience Peace. And what a relevant message because so many people lack peace in their life. They're suffering from depression and anxiety and stress. And then, of course, we see the lack of peace in the world. So much division and strife and war. And if ever we needed peace, we need peace today. You know, uh, Forbes ran an article about the top eight things people desperately desire but can't seem to attain. And it's no surprise that peace was one of the items that topped the list. But what did surprise me is that people ranked money ahead of peace. And interestingly, the author noted there are people with millions of dollars in their retirement accounts, yet they live in such a state of fear around money that they never have a moment's peace. And they can't enjoy spending anything, even going on a family vacation that's supposed to be joyous, but they're stressed about the money that they're spending. So obviously, the author remarks, money does not bring peace. It just brings more fear and stress. I had an uncle. He was a little bit older than my father, uh, just a few years, and he was a millionaire. But from the time that he was like in his 50s, he looked like, you know, he had been put up in prune juice. His face was all wrinkled. He was all jittery. His hair was gray because he was constantly worrying about money. Every fluctuation in the stock market, every fluctuation in interest, he was all anxious about it. And it aged him. And, and he died a lot uh, younger than, than my father did. And so you can see that money does not bring you peace. And there are people that are desperately longing for peace. Peace in their lives, peace in their marriage, peace in their families, peace on their job, peace in the world. Most importantly, peace of mind and peace of heart. Peace is something that people desperately desire and can't seem to find. And that's where Jesus comes in. You know, yesterday we had Saturate Saturday, which is our evangelism outreach where we invited the congregation. And thanks to all who came out, we went out into the community and we were inviting people for the Christmas season and telling people about Jesus. I was stationed with Farida over in the public's parking lot with a couple of our other teams. And we were inviting various people. And we got to this one lady spoke um, virtually to no English. And so I was inviting her in my limited Spanish and telling her to come to church. And she began to explain that she doesn't believe in God, that her son still prays and she only prays for his sake but she doesn't believe in God and so I encouraged her that's okay come you know this is a time to renew our faith and what have you as I began to walk away I saw a look on her face and it impressed me to ask her do you need prayer so in Spanish I asked her do you need prayer and at that moment her eyes just filled with tears and she said God wouldn't hear me anyhow because I'm lost God doesn't care about me and so, again, in my very limited Spanish, and it broke my heart that I could not minister more fully to her, but I told her, I said, Jesus came for the lost. And I told her, God loves you. And she just started to weep and say, thank you, thank you. And so I encouraged her to come, and I pray uh, that she will come. But it just broke my heart to see someone that is so anguished because they don't have a relationship with God, and they know they don't have a relationship with God, something in their life is keeping them from God. Folks, there are so many people that we encounter on a daily basis that are just like that woman in the public's parking lot. They need Jesus. 
because Jesus came to bring the peace that this world so desperately needs. And during this Christmas season, which is called Advent, and, and as I explained last week, Advent speaks of the coming of Christ. And of course, we are reminded of Christ's first coming and the hope and expectation that the Jewish people had for so many years because of the promises and prophecies of God of Christ's first coming. And as we celebrate his first coming, we also look forward with hope to his second coming. That's what I think is so beautiful about the Advent season. So it commemorates this, this earnest expectation and longing for the coming of Christ. And each week of Advent traditionally focuses on four different qualities or attributes of God that are revealed through the coming of Jesus. The first of which is hope, which we looked at last week, that earnest expectation, that longing, that looking forward uh, to, to Christ and his coming. Uh, the second week focuses on peace, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. And then we're gonna look at joy and love, and then Christmas Eve, we're gonna look at the coming of Christ. That's on the 24th when we have our Sunday service. Amen. But the message of Christmas is that Jesus brings us one of the things that we so desperately desire but cannot attain for ourselves, and that is peace. Read with me, if you will, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast hope of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and here it is, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all of these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. You know, a major part of the Christmas message is that Jesus brings peace. Jesus is not only our hope, as we saw last week, and if you missed last week's message, go back online to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page and listen to it. I believe it will encourage your heart. But Jesus is not only our hope, he is also our peace. And the key verse that I called your attention to was verse 14. And, and it, this is the verse we're going to focus on today. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, the King James Version translates the second part of that verse and says, on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. But that translation makes it sound as though peace and goodwill is just automatically everybody's portion in life. But most modern translations that more accurately translate the Greek say this, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased or those upon whom God's favor or grace rests. 
As one writer states, the word goodwill in Greek connotes the, the salvation of God, the redemption to all who will believe in Jesus, God's way of salvation. So to whom is peace given? Those who have received Jesus as God's way of salvation. They have received his favor, his grace. So that means that although God's offer of peace is available to all people, only those who receive Jesus and trust him as their Lord and Savior will experience the peace that he brings. So although God's offer of peace is available to the whole earth, only those who receive Jesus and trust him as Savior and Lord will experience the peace that he brings. Now, you know, the world is desperately seeking for peace. And they try to find peace in so many ways. Some try to find peace by escaping their problems through drugs, alcohol, sexual encounters. Some think they'll find peace if they can just get enough money in the bank. We already said that doesn't work, amen? Some think they'll find peace if they can just get out of a troubled marriage. Only to find out when they get out of it, it just created some more problems for them. But they think, if I can just get out of a troubled marriage... If I can just quit this stressful job, if I could just be my own boss. Nowadays, there's a movement, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to start their own business. I'm going to sell diddly squats online, and I'm going to be my own boss. You know, Everybody's trying to be their own boss. They think that's the path to peace. Some think if I could just go on an extended vacation, or if I could just retire... Hallelujah. Of course, then you start dealing with all the aches and pains and doctor's visits and insurance companies, <laughs> and you got stressed up to kazoo, amen? <laughs> None of these things can truly bring you true and lasting peace because the root of all the stress, anxiety, and conflict that we experience in this world is sin. Our sin and living in a sin-fallen world. The Bible says that because of sin, we are the enemies of God. We are opposed to God. We are fighting against God. There's a constant spiritual conflict against God in our soul. We might not have clearly understood that before coming to Christ, just like this woman in the public's parking lot. She knows that there is a conflict in her soul. She wants to believe, but there's something in her life that's keeping her from coming to God. The real reason for all of the unrest, distress, and conflict in our soul is a broken relationship with God due to sin. That's why Paul writes in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Not because of anything that we have done. Not because we straightened up our life and, and, and we're trying to do what's right and so we have peace. No. There is none of us that can live so righteously to make ourselves right with God. Amen? That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died. So that when we repent and place our faith in him, and we'll give those who have not yet done so an opportunity to do so at the end of our service. But when we repent and place our faith in Jesus, our sins are washed away. That enmity, that opposition, that conflict that we had in our soul towards God, that is removed and we are brought together in right relationship with God and we are made to be at peace with God. 
You see, none of us is naturally at peace with God. It's only through repentance and turning away from our sin, asking forgiveness and placing our faith in Jesus that we who were once God's enemies are restored to friendship. We are reconciled. We are made right with God. And that is the beginning of true peace. Repentance and faith is the first step to experiencing peace with God. And peace with God then begins to lead us to peace within ourselves. That peace of mind, that peace of heart that we seek. And when we're at peace with God and at peace with ourselves, guess what? We start to be at peace with others. Because when our soul is not right, a lot of times we are so vexed inside of ourselves that we are miserable and conflictual with everybody else in our life. Amen? So we need peace with God. We need peace with God. And we need to pursue and walk in that peace daily like the shepherds who not only received and believed the announcement of peace, but then they acted upon it and they took a journey to go to Bethlehem and find Jesus for them And this passage reveals to us how to experience his peace as a daily reality in our lives. The first thing I want us to see, when we glorify the God of heaven, we experience peace on earth. When we glorify the God of heaven, we experience peace on earth. Look again at verses 13 and 14. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. You know, for centuries, God had promised to send the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, who would be the deliverer that Israel so needed and longed for. And the people lived with this sense of hope and expectation. Could this be the day that the Messiah comes? Now, what a privilege that that promise has been fulfilled and we have the opportunity to receive Christ. And all of heaven is praising God, proclaiming glory to God in the highest heaven because Jesus is born and peace is now available to all on earth. One commentator said, when we understand Christmas more deeply, we will worship God more fully. When we understand Christmas more deeply, we will worship God more fully. You know, that's one thing I love about this whole practice of Advent. Because, you know, um, we tend to just focus on Christmas Day and we tend to focus on the, you know, the get-togethers and the dinners and the presents and the shopping. And, man, I, I'm so glad that I'm not a part of this mess. But I passed by Pembroke Lakes Mall yesterday and the madness just in the traffic trying to get into the mall. Don't expect me to get you a gift because I don't do shopping. <laughs> I hate shopping. <laughs> Amen. Not even for myself. I'm what they call a mission shopper. If I need something desperately, I go to the store on a mission, go straight to what I need, pick it up, and I'm out within five minutes. I'm not the kind of person that, oh, let's walk through the mall and see what we see and spend what we spend. (laughs) Hallelujah. And I used to have a friend that that loved to shop, and she would get so frustrated with (laughs) with me because I was in and I was out. But anyway, worship needs to be a part of our daily experience. And that's what I love so much about this practice of Advent because for the entire month of December, it keeps you focused on the reason for the season. It keeps us focused 
on why Christ came and the difference that he makes on our life. So you know what? Uh, families are encouraged to have an Advent um, candle at home and it's a circle and it has four candles. And each week they light one candle. So you light the first candle for hope. And then you have devotions with your family and you talk about the hope that Christ brings. Then the next week you light the second candle for peace. And then you read the scriptures and you talk with your family. Or if you're alone, then you just reflect on God's word and the peace that he brings into your life. But what it does is it just keeps you focused on Christ, on his coming, on what he has done in our life. And it keeps us from all of the madness of Black Friday and Cyber Monday and this sale and that sale and I've got to get to the, you know, and all that stuff is stressing us out more. And we're like, I thought Jesus came to bring me peace. Well, he did, but sometimes we get a little off focus, and that brings us stress, amen? So worship needs to be a part of our daily relationship and fellowship with God, and that's why I like so much the practice of Advent, because it focuses us on having that daily walk with the Lord, that daily relationship through which we draw closer to God, and we experience his hope, and we experience his peace, and we experience his love, and we experience his joy. Worship is how we meet with God as we praise him for who he is and we praise him for for all that he has done and and as we worship him guess what it builds our faith worship builds our faith in an all-powerful god just look at the miracle of christmas god the creator of the universe whom the heavens cannot contain overshadowed this young girl mary and she supernaturally conceived a son and this son, who would be called Jesus, would be 100% God and 100% human. And how you get 200% in one being, there is no explanation. It is supernatural. It's the miracle of God. Amen. God came to fulfill his plan of salvation. And a vital truth that we often skip over when we think of the Christmas story and the baby in the manger is the miracle of what was happening. And it reveals to us a very important attribute of God, his omnipotence. The word omnipotent means all powerful. And that's one of the attributes of God. He is all powerful. And it's revealed in, in some of his names like El Shaddai, the almighty one. And of course it's revealed in the fact that he spoke the word and he created the worlds. He brought out of nothing. He brought into existence everything that is. He is the all-powerful one. Hallelujah. Folks, as we celebrate Christmas and we worship God, we are reminded that he is the all-powerful one who has the power to do anything that he chooses to do. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. The psalmist captured this in Psalm 115, verse 3, saying, Our God is in heaven. He does whatsoever he pleases. Hallelujah. No one and nothing can stop him. He is the all-powerful one. And when we hear about God being in control and being all-powerful and being able to do whatever he wants to do, some people think, then why, doesn't God, why does God allow bad things to happen? Why doesn't God stop it? You know, that very thought can trouble people's souls and even prevent them from believing that there is an all-powerful God. However, the truth is that while God is in control and he is all-powerful and he can do whatsoever he pleases, he has chosen 
to give humans free will. That is an area in which he has chosen to limit his power. Because he could force us to do whatever he pleases, right? But he has chosen to limit his power in that area. Why? Because that's the only way that we could have a genuine love relationship with God. Otherwise, we would have no choice. We would be compelled to love and serve God. And that would make us like robots who are just programmed to do certain things. However, God gave us the freedom to choose to love or not to love him, to choose to serve or not to serve him. And in doing so, it was a risk. God took a risk to allow us to have free will. And you know what? We chose wrong. Adam and Eve chose wrong. And each one of us has chosen wrong because all of us have sinned. And as a result of our wrong sinful choices, humans often do terrible things to hurt ourselves and to hurt others. God is not to blame for the bad things in the world. He is a good God. We sang it earlier, didn't we? He is a good God. All of the pain and hurt and war and terrorism and crime and abuse that you see in the world, that was never God's intention for man. That was never God's will. Amen? He is a good God. He is a, a loving God. But mankind has chosen to sin. And that has opened the door to all of these horrible things that we experience and see. But when we choose to trust him, the all-powerful God, we can have the confident assurance of knowing that God is working in all things, even the bad things, even the hurtful things, even the painful things that we experience. God is working in all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The reality of life is that we live in a sinful world and because we live in a sinful world, bad things happen in the world and bad things happen to us. God does not cause those bad things to happen, but when we trust him and surrender our lives into his hands, he has the power to work even in the worst circumstances and bring something good out of it for our lives. Amen? And when we understand that and when we trust that, it enables us to have peace regardless of our circumstances. Worship also builds our faith in an all-knowing God. Verse 11 says, The angels announced the birth of the Savior born in Bethlehem. The Bible says that Jesus came into this world to be the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. You know what that means? Before God created man, before God gave us freedom of will, he already knew that we would mess up. He already knew that we would choose wrong. He already knew that we would sin. And he already had a plan in place to take our mess, our wrongdoing, our sin, and all that it caused, and turn it around through his son, Jesus Christ. It means that before God ever created the world, before God ever made humans, he knew that we would rebel against him, that we would sin, and he devised a plan to save us by sending his own son into this world to pay the penalty for our sin that we deserved so that we could be made right with him. And this reveals to us a very important attribute of God. 
what we call his omniscience. We spoke about him being omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. Being omniscient means all-knowing, all-knowing. God knows everything before it even happens. And God is in control of everything, so he declares what will happen in the future. I love Isaiah 49, verses 9 and 10. It says, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. And everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. You know, so much of why we get anxious and stressed out is because we're worried, thinking about what what is going to happen today? What is going to happen tomorrow? What about my future? What if I get sick and can't work? What if my retirement is not enough? What if something happens to one of my kids? Anybody can relate? Constantly worrying. But when we trust our lives into the hands of the all-knowing God, we don't have to figure everything out. Jesus said it's simple. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear because all the ungodly think about that. They're worried about that. They pursue that. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you because your heavenly father knows that you have need of them. And then he goes on to say, and he said, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow because the concerns of today are sufficient for themselves. We just trust God because he's got tomorrow in his hands. Amen? So we don't have to worry about tomorrow. We just trust that God's got our life in his hands. When we've surrendered ourselves to him in faith, whatever might happen, we can say with the psalmist, but I'm trusting you, O Lord. You are my God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. So no matter what we're facing, we say, God, I trust you. My life is in your hands. You fight this battle for me. You help me, Lord. Hallelujah. Folks, you want to walk in peace? Worship God every single day. Fix your eyes upon God. Praise God every single day for who he is because it's going to build your faith. Hallelujah. Build your faith in an almighty God. Build your faith in a God who knows all things, who is in control of all things, and who is working in all things for your good. And that will enable you to walk in peace. Hallelujah. And when we trust Jesus daily, we will walk in peace. We can have peace by trusting his love for us. Knowing that God is all-powerful and all-knowing is not much comfort if we don't think he cares about us. But if we know that he loves us, that's a different story. And the greatest demonstration of God's love towards us was that he was willing to send his own son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Romans 8.32 says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything out? I mean, if God did not keep back from us the very best thing that he had, his own son, will he keep back from us anything else that is for our good? Amen? We can trust that God cares about us, that God wants the best for us, and that he is using his power and his knowledge for our good. Even when we might not understand it, we trust that God's knowledge is much greater than ours, that he knows what he is doing, and that he loves us. 
See, many Christians are not experiencing peace because they don't trust his love for them. They don't know that God is wildly and amazingly in love with them. Hallelujah. But when we trust God's love, we can be at peace regardless of our circumstances. You that are parents, you know, the Bible says that, you know, it's a strange thing for a parent to not love their child or to abandon their child because there's a, a natural love inside of a parent when they have that child. And, and I talk to you parents, would you not do anything for your child? Even when your child messes up, and sometimes your child turns their back on you. And sometimes your child may speak harshly to you and say, I don't want you in my life. How many of you been there? But you know what? Still, you would lay your life down for your child. If you, as a human being, can have that kind of love for your son or for your daughter, how much more our perfect heavenly father in heaven loves you, loves me. Hallelujah. And when you know that in your knower, not in your head, but in your spirit, you can have peace. As the Bible says, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. I can turn over all my worries to him because I know that he loves me. Amen. Hallelujah. And we can have peace by trusting him with everything through prayer. That's what I mean by turning everything over to him. Through Jesus' sacrifice, the Bible tells us we have access to the very throne of God and we can pray boldly, we can pray confidently knowing that he will hear us and he will give us mercy to help us in our time of need. And when we make the prayer of faith a regular part of our life, we can experience peace. Philippians 4, 6-7 gives us the cure for stress, worry, anxiety. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. Turn to your neighbor and say, pray about everything. Amen. He goes on to say, tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Because sometimes when we're going through it, we just feel like, oh God, you've never done anything for me. My life is so miserable. But, you know, we need to stop and we need to remember the things God has done, what he has brought us through, amen, because it gives us faith in the present. So tell God what you need and then thank him for all he has done. Then what? You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus through that vital relationship with Christ. So instead of worrying about your finances, pray about them and ask God to give you the wisdom to manage your finances well. Instead of worrying about your kids, pray for them daily and place them in God's hands and ask him to protect them. Ask him to draw them onto, them, onto himself. Ask him to bring them into a real and living relationship with him. Amen? Instead of complaining about your marriage, pray for your spouse. Not the impeccatory prayers of David, break their chin, knock out their teeth, not that kind of prayer. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
a prayer of blessing, a prayer of grace. Lord, make yourself known to them in a greater way. Lord, draw them unto yourself. God, give them peace. Pray blessing upon them. Hallelujah. Amen. I say that because I was counseling with a, a lady some time ago. She didn't really attend here. Her husband did on a regular basis, and they were having some marital problems, and she came in to my office to tell me I needed to straighten him out because he was a member of our church. And from the moment she walked into my office, she listed complaint after complaint after complaint after complaint. And so um, when she was finished, I told her, you know, this is what I would recommend to you. And I said, you know what? Is there anything good about your husband? <laughs> and she listed a couple of things. I mean, her list of complaints was like this. Her, her list of what was good was like this. I said, this is what I want you to do. I said, every day for the next two weeks before you come back to see me, I want you to either text him or write him a little note and praise him and thank him for the good things in his life. So I waited two weeks and we had our next appointment and I said, so how did it go? It didn't go very well. I said, well, explain to me what you did. And she said, well, the first day I wrote him a note and I put it on a steering wheel and I told him, you need to do this, you need to do that. I said, could we wait one minute? I said, was that what I asked you to do? Well, no, but, you know, and she went into, so that's why I have to be specific when I say pray for your spouse, amen? Because I don't want you praying God rain down fire out of heaven on them, you know. Pray blessing, pray peace, pray prosperity, amen? Pray God just make himself real to them. All right, so we got that straightened out, all right? Uh, and then pray for yourself that God will change you and make you a better wife or make you a better husband. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but you're not perfect. Don't tell anybody. Amen? There's areas in your life that you can grow. So ask God, if you're complaining about your marriage, start asking God, Lord, what can I do differently to make my marriage better, to change my marriage, amen? I didn't hear a whole lot of loud amens on that one. Praise the Lord. Say, Lord, give me the grace to respond to my spouse with kindness. Give me the grace to speak to my spouse sweetly, even in times of conflict that I won't yell and raise my voice. Hallelujah. That's where we say amen or oh me, right? Hallelujah. But, but don't just focus on your problems in prayer because then your prayers can become a place of complaint and negativity. We rush into God's presence and, oh God, this is wrong in my life, do this. Oh God, this is wrong in my life. And, 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 and it becomes a complaint list to God, right? Now we can bring our needs to God, yes, but then, Paul tells us, then start giving thanks. See, we need to turn those needs and those complaints around and we need to start spending time praising and thanking God for what he has done and for what he is doing and for the good things in our life because when we're going through a hardship, sometimes all we see is the bad. But there's always good there that we can thank God for, amen? And that will encourage our faith. And thank him that because you have prayed, you know that he has heard you and that he is working. He's on the job. Amen? Amen. Keep thanking him that you know that he's at work and celebrate the slightest activity of God that you see. You know, if you've been complaining that your spouse doesn't put down the toilet seat when he's done, and then one day he puts it down, say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
You know, celebrate even the small activity of God. You're laughing, but I mean it. Because sometimes we can be so blinded that all we see is negativity, 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 negativity. And we need to start tuning ourselves to the smallest activity of God in our life and give him thanks. We can have peace by walking in obedience daily. Think of it this way. When kids disobey their parents, what happens? It causes strife and conflict in the family, right? The kid's upset. They storm into their room. They slam the door. You're all agitated inside and you're banging pots and pans or whatever, you know. It causes conflict in that. And it can negatively affect your relationship, right? Living in disobedience to God has the same effects. But living in obedience to God brings peace. It brings peace. Philippians 4.9 says, keep putting into practice. See, this is right after Paul talks about experiencing the peace of God that passes all understanding. Then he says, keep putting into practice. Or in other words, keep obeying. Keep obeying all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then, what? The God of peace will be with you. Peace doesn't come externally. It doesn't come from a lack of stress or strife in our circumstances. Peace is a person. It's God. And peace comes to us when our relationship with God is right. And when we are living a life of obedience to God, then our relationship with him is right. Our connection with him is strong. Amen? So the God of peace will be with us, and we will experience the peace that passes all understanding. Amen? The world-famous singer and songwriter, John Lennon, I don't listen to secular music, but um, I read this, and he wrote a song that has been called the, an anthem of universal peace titled Imagine. And he talks about imagining that there is no heaven or hell. Well, I have news for him. There is. But he talks about imagining that there is no heaven or hell, no countries, war, or religion. He says, imagine that we are all brothers. And he sings, imagine all the people living life in peace. It'll never happen without Jesus. Amen. And the last verse says, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. You know, Lennon once claimed to be more popular than Jesus Christ. And he had a dream of universal peace and brotherhood. But this song was written in 1971, five decades, six decades, for the 30, about six decades, right? Six decades have passed, and his dream remains just a dream. In fact, it's a dream human beings have been dreaming for centuries to no avail, because true and lasting peace is not humanly attainable. I mean, just look what's happening in the Middle East. They negotiated a ceasefire to try to get as many of the hostages out, and it lasted, what, maybe about five days? And then the conflict started up again? Even that kind of peace is not humanly attainable. Peace is only possible through one person, Jesus Christ. The angels declared, peace on earth. That's what the coming of Jesus brought. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased or upon whom God's favor rests. 
Folks, Christmas doesn't bring peace. Christ brings peace. And repentance and faith is the first step to experience peace with God, peace within ourselves, and peace with others. All of us are sinners. Sin separated us from God. And that's the whole reason that Jesus came to die for us. And as we place our faith in him and repent of our sins, we can be forgiven. We can be brought into right relationship with God. And we can be at peace with God, which that then begins to bring peace in ourselves and begins to overflow in peace in our relationships. Would you bow your head with me? If you're here today and you would say, pray, pray for me, Pastor. I want to be at peace with God. I want to have that spiritual peace in my soul. I want to repent of my sins and place my faith in Christ and know that I am forgiven and that I am right with God. If that's you, or maybe you prayed that prayer several years ago or some time ago and you've drifted away and you need to come back and you would say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to come back to Jesus. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. Pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for another hand. Thank you for another hand. Is there anyone else? Pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus or I want thank you for another hand over there. I want to come to Jesus or I want to come back to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else before we turn to prayer? All right, about four hands have gone up, and I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and I'm going to ask the entire congregation to pray along to encourage those that are praying it for the first time. We're going to pray a simple prayer of placing our faith in Jesus and repenting of our sins and asking him to forgive us. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent, I turn away from my sinful life, and I turn to you in faith. I confess that I am a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer, we want to congratulate you on making the best decision of your life, and we want to welcome you to the family of God. That prayer that you just prayed is a beginning, not an ending. It's the beginning of a lifelong journey of learning to love and serve the Lord, and we want to help you continue in that journey by sending you free of charge a little e-booklet. But in order to do so, we need your email address. So if you would, take your phone out and just text your email address to that number on the screen so that we can send you free of charge this little booklet that's going to help you understand the prayer you just prayed and the next steps to take to keep growing in your relationship with the Lord. So you that just prayed, if you would, just take your phone out and text your email address to the number on the screen, and we will be glad to send you free of charge that booklet, but we congratulate you once again on making the best decision of your life. For those of us who are already believers, we need to pursue and walk in Christ's peace daily. Just like the shepherds who had to step out in faith and take that journey to go to Bethlehem and find Jesus in that manger. We need to, we need to take that step of faith to begin that journey with the Lord. And we need to make worship a lifestyle. 
a lifestyle because as we glorify God, it strengthens our faith in him and we experience peace. And to walk in peace, we need to choose daily to trust his love for us. We need to choose daily to pray about everything that worries us and turn it over to him. And then we need to choose to just obey him, to do his will, trusting that he will take care of us. I want to ask you, what area do you need to grow in to be able to walk in his peace? Do you need to grow in the area of trusting his love? Do you need to grow in the area of turning over every worry to him in prayer? Do you need to grow in the area of walking in obedience? Do you need to grow in the area of making worship a lifestyle? Whatever area you need to grow in, I'm going to encourage you to come to this altar. If you want to walk in his peace, and you would say, Lord, help me to grow in this area so that I can walk in your peace every single day. If that's your heart's desire, would you stand to your feet and just make your way to this altar for a few moments as we come just to, to ask the Lord to help us to grow in that area so that we can walk in his peace, so that we can experience his peace. Amen. Come on down. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. That's what this altar's for. Hallelujah. As you come to this altar, just talk to the Lord from your heart. You know the area he's dealing with in your life that may be keeping you from experiencing his peace? Surrender it to him today and ask him to help you to grow in that area. Everyone lifting your voice to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of these who have received and responded to your word with an open heart. Father, as we stand before you today, we know that we need your peace in our lives. And we know that that peace is only found in relationship with you. So help us, Lord, to grow daily in our relationship with you. Help us to spend time daily fellowshipping with you and worshiping you, Lord God, to make worship a lifestyle so that our faith, our trust will grow. Help us, Lord God, to trust your amazing love for us and to know that your love is unchanging. Help us today. If there's anyone here today that questions or doubts your love, just envelop them in your love this morning and give them an assurance of how much you love them, Lord. Father, help us to make prayer a daily practice so that we can turn over to you every worry, every stress, every concern, and leave it in your hands as we turn to give you thanks and praise so that we can experience your peace. And help us to grow in our obedience to you. Because as we walk in obedience, then you, the God of peace, are with us. And we will experience your peace that passes all understanding as we live in fellowship with you. Help us all to grow in this area so that we can experience the peace that Christ gives every single day of our life. And help us to share that peace with others because they so desperately need Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.